Happy July. Um, It's been about a month since the last episode, and I'm just so happy to be back before you today to complete this graceful series. Um, I hope that y'all have enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, And I think it's funny because I don't know when the first one was recorded. Was that like, what, February, March? I don't know. But um, I know I shared with y'all that God had told me about this series and had given me three episodes at that time, um, Gracefully Loved, Gracefully Paced, Gracefully Broken. And to be at the final, I guess, installment of this series and also the final episode of the Favorite and Fabulous podcast, surprise, (laughs) I am more than overjoyed, I think, to share this message Um, and allow the Holy Spirit, the room to really just flow through me, even in this moment. And also to have had the opportunity to share with you all on Favorite and Fabulous for the last two and a half or so years. Um, But I'll get more into that a little bit later. I know, kind of sad, kind of bittersweet, but we'll talk about it. So... (laughs) Um, but nonetheless, this graceful series has meant a lot to me, especially because God has just been redefining the meaning of grace to me personally in this last uh, couple of years. But more specifically, I'll say this year, grace has been like a big theme in my life. And, um, not only, the way that I receive God's grace, but in the way that I give it to other people and the way that people have given it to me, etc. It's just been a very beautiful um, season of grace, like overflowing grace and really just the understanding of grace. And so um, I had a birthday last week, week and a half ago, whatever. I turned 29. So crazy to think that I am in the last year of my 20s. I had a friend call me that morning and he's like, you know, this is going to be like your last time turning 20 anything, like the next birthday, like you gonna turn 30. And I was like, wait, <laughs> I knew that I wanted to live this year to the fullest, but I didn't consider the fact that like I had no more 20s left like that, that <laughs> I think that's when it kind of got real in the field for me. I was like, oh my goodness, like what? Um, but nonetheless, I went skydiving for my birthday, had the most amazing birthday of my entire life so far. And um, it was really just because I got to do exactly what I wanted to do, Um, one of which was getting a few new tattoos. And the tattoo I actually gotten is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And in that chapter, we see Paul talking about um, basically the humility that God has given him through this, what he describes as a thorn in his flesh. And he says that God sent Basically, it, it, it it's similar to Job's um, story, in my opinion. And I love relating the two, both the Old Testament story and the New Testament story, because it's like, on one hand, we see in Job's story, like fully, it fully being described how God gave Satan permission, you know, to 
attack Job and and his faith in Job was <laughs> as great as Job's faith in God in that he knew that Job would not curse him. And so then we have Paul who talks also about how he's praying for this thorn in his side to be removed. You know, different scholars have talked about it. There have been different things tossed around about what this could have been. But of course, we were not there. So we don't know what the heck this thorn was. Okay. But nonetheless, whatever illness, whatever ailment, whatever it was that Job, not Job, that Paul was dealing with, he had prayed three times for God to remove it from him. And he mentions that this thing was given in permission um, of God from Satan as a thorn in his flesh is what he describes it as in order to keep him in a place of humility. So as we know, Paul, the apostle, I mean, phenomenal writings, phenomenal teachings, uh, made a phenomenal imprint on not only the word of God, but I mean, an example to those of us who are also disciples and apostles or just followers. I mean, forget terminology, who cares? Followers of Christ, period. Um, and and we look at how even he had an ailment of some sort about himself that wasn't imperfect. And what he says in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine, is that um, God told him, you know, my power. Some versions say, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And I I have grown to absolutely favor that verse (laughs) i'm going to use favor in a very purposeful way um i love that verse and it's just a reminder that god's grace is enough but it's also a reminder that his strength is best shown when we are not strong you know when we're weak he is strong and and so um that was one of the tattoos that i got for my birthday and you know there's just man there's just so much that I could just go into detail and share and share and share. And y'all know I love talking. <laughs> um, but in short, yesterday was a very hard day for me. I got some um, pretty sad news. Um, and I'm calling it sad because it was something that I was looking forward to that kind of got shut down in my tracks. It, well, in, its, in its tracks. And I know, you know, I'm a woman of faith. I know, and I had already prayed in advance for God to close the door if it wasn't his will. So I know that the door being closed is his will. However, sometimes even when we pray for God's will, it doesn't always feel good to us. And so it's like my feelings got a little hurt because while I was praying for him to have his way, his way wasn't quite what I envisioned. And so I'm like, darn it, you know, so I had a a pretty, I'm making light of this, but I had a pretty hard day just in that because uh, as I've shared before, there have been several things that I've been disappointed about. And I know on the last episode, I talked about this resentment that I had been feeling towards God. and, And I was really going through, I mean, the motions of, trying to come up out of it y'all like really trying my hardest to not feel that way and to not be in that place because I knew that while I knew that it was a distraction from you know my purpose I also knew that it was creating this barrier between just the intimacy that I 
had once felt with God and I wanted it back so desperately. And so while I wanted it back, I also was over it. Like, I don't want to do the work right now. I don't want to. And so just being in that place taught me so much about myself. Um, But I did not ever get to a point where I was like, I don't want, you know, to to do the work to to fix it in a way that I was going to sit there forever. It was just a season where I just pulled back and said, you know what? I'm just not feeling it right now. I love you, God. I just need a minute. (laughs) And so, um, like I said, yesterday was hard. And, you know, even on the hard days, I'll, I'll just speak specifically about yesterday. It's challenging me to continue to move forward with God, but also be even more thankful for just his strategy because he knew that I would need that day in order to successfully speak today on this podcast. Um, And it's probably like two in the morning right now. But um, he knew that I needed that even just the experience to bring me full circle to this very moment. And so, you know, there's so much more for me, more life for me to live And one thing I can say I'm thankful for, and I know I've probably shared this time and time again, but it was like 2018 and I went out with my friend Brenda. She took some pictures of me for graduation and with my master's and we had come back to my apartment and in short, I was just telling her like, oh, I know, you know, God has spoken to me about ministry and the things he wants to do with me and and some of that, some of those things and that there's a calling on my life for ministry. And one of the things I pray for is that I'll never be a hypocrite, that I won't encourage people or talk to people or minister to people about things that I haven't experienced yet. And I know I said this before because I remember saying like, look, I didn't experience enough. I don't want every single testimony or every single thing. Listen, I am totally fine with the things I have not experienced being the things that I won't experience. Okay, I don't I don't have to be the know it all for every situation. But what I will say is in situations like the one I had yesterday, not only does it remind me of the scripture that I have, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. But it also reminds me of the fact that I asked God to help me live the things that he would have me to live in such a way that I would have testimony from it, that I would not be talking about stuff that I have not experienced. So when I think about the resentment season that I've come out of, like now I can speak to what it feels like to resent God and not want to be in his presence fully or to have one foot in and one foot out when you feel like, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't really feel like doing that right now. Like I understand that all the more, whereas sometimes as believers, when we get saved, like, and we turn away from the things of old, it's almost this mindset of like, I'm not going back. I'm never, I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going back. Like, I'm not going to resent God. I'm not going to have any gaps. I'm not going to, you know, I remember saying at one point, like, I'm always going to be on fire for Christ. And, you know, while that's true, like, I've, I've still been on, his, been on his team. I told him yesterday, I was like, I'm upset, but I ain't going over to the devil side because I don't fool with him like that. <laughs> like, I, I can say... I still, I'm still on God's side, but as far as like being hot out the stove, off the oven, whatever, there have been some days where I ain't felt as hot and I've become more grateful for those days because I know that it's all part of God's purpose, 
not only in my life, but in the lives of the people connected to me, in the lives of the people who I get to minister to. But also, man, like I look forward to having kids someday and, and or even my nephews and just being able to share with the next generation the the experiences I've had with God and how to help them with things, too. It doesn't have to be so grand. And I think for a, a large portion of my adult life, I've envisioned it to be just this really, really grand thing. And I know I talked to y'all a few podcast episodes ago about how God told me at one point like that I'm going to be a profound biblical teacher. But even taking something like that, like a word that's given to me like that from him and understanding like if being a profound biblical teacher only means um, speaking on podcast episodes once a week or however frequently God leads me to do this, like that's good enough. You know, I, I don't want to overanalyze, overestimate or overexpect just anything. I just want to remain in a place that's grateful for whatever God does for me in whatever capacity. And I know I'm kind of getting off on a tangent now, but anyway, I still have to say when I think about being gracefully broken, I think about the fact that there's so much that God has had to do in my life. And I talk a lot about my faith sabbatical, the 15 months or so that I didn't work, that I went on this very unique journey with God, this very intimate space with God that was supposed to be very private, but then became very public. Um, not as a choice of my own, but whatever. God has his own plan for for things that are a lot of times not the way we envisioned it. Um, but nonetheless, when I when I think about the things I learned during that season, um, I highlight things. But y'all, this is like a few years before that in the making. Like this is tug of war <laughs> in 2016, 17, 18. This is like submission and then recanting and then coming back and submitting again and then retreating again. Like, you know, this is a uh, this was a fight for my life that I then in 2019 said, okay, God, I'm committed. I'm here and have been moving ever since. So while those intimate parts may not have been or seemed as public, like God has been, you know, breaking me through the years. And so that brings me to present day. And when I think about what it means to be gracefully broken, man, it's just crazy. The idea that God loves us so, so much that not only does his grace save us, as we talked about in Gracefully Loved, but his grace also made room for us to go through life and through the things and the experiences and the hard days and the good days and the highs and the lows and the hills and the valleys and still be able to achieve whatever it was that he created us to do because he paced us perfectly like we talked about in gracefully paced so when we talk about gracefully broken it's like moving into this idea this this fact that we can visualize ourselves as the very best version of who God created us to be removed from any ailments or any you know, um, things that are not like him 
in its essence. So I remember praying. I have prayed so many times for God to remove any and every part of me that's not like him and then bring any and everything that is like him. And in its essence, that's what breaking is. That's what being broken is. And for me, I didn't realize until maybe about, hmm, I'll say probably about two and a half, maybe three years ago, that there were so many things that I experienced, that I witnessed, that I was taught, that I observed um, throughout my entire life that made me who I am. And what I mean by that is there were so many characteristics, traits, mindsets, ways of, of, of living, um, habits, behaviors, vocabulary, like all the parts of me came from somewhere, right? And so it was somewhere in my mid-20s where I realized like, hmm, a lot of this stems from way back before I even knew that I existed, probably. But also realized that a lot of it wasn't too good like that there were a lot of things that needed to be ironed out or straightened out or cleaned up or whatever and this is just me in my own I'll say carnal flesh mind realizing like oh I got work to do then when you couple that with the presence of the Holy Spirit and then God is able to show you how those those same experiences observations thoughts processes, vocabularies, whatever, have imparted themselves into the way that you visualize yourself, but also him, it's like mind-blowing because it's like, oh my goodness, this, you know, there's work that needs to be done here, but you also realize like, oh my goodness, this is a lot and I can't do this by myself. And I'm saying you, but I'm I'm talking about myself, but I'm sure some of you can relate. Um, nonetheless, so when I think about being gracefully broken, the first point that I think about is being broken into wholeness. So when you think about something being broken and made whole at the same time, it doesn't quite make sense all the time. Um, to, to say that, because how are you broken and whole? But the thing about it is that sometimes the breaking is the removal of things that are covering what is actually whole. So you think about those fixtures that are like carved out and I'm probably going to show how uneducated I am to this specific subject, but Maybe it's Greece or somewhere where they have like those statues and such. And they had to, someone had to like carve out, you know, the images I'm thinking about, like the Prince of Egypt, where you're seeing, you know, the um, Israelites who are enslaved, like working in in that film to like carve out the pharaohs and the statues. And, you know, it, it started out as a rock, right? But this rock is being made into the image of what it needs to look like and what it what it's supposed to look like. And so when I think about our lives being broken into wholeness, 
sometimes just simply means being carved out of the mess that's on you, being molded into the truest image of what you're supposed to look like. And so for me, that meant learning and unlearning at the same time. And my friend Ashley and I, we joke all the time about me and I am a recovering perfectionist, let me say. And I mean, I had this really idealistic view that once I passed the test, like a spiritual test, that I was never going to have to take it again. And then if I did have to take it again, that I was going to pass it with flying colors because it was something that I had already experienced. But the reason God's word encourages us to renew our mind every day <laughs> Um, in part is because of the fact that every single day we need the same grace, the same salvation, the same love, the same forgiveness, the same repentance, the same like every day. It's not a one and done type of thing. But for me, I thought that that was it. You know, like I said before, I commit myself to God. I'm on fire for God. I ain't never going to burn out. You know, if you let your guard down. You might burn out or if you just experience some trials, enough trials, enough tests, enough disappointments, you might be ready to walk away prematurely sometimes because of the um, hardship of the things. And so when I think about being broken into wholeness, one thing we have to understand is brokenness does not feel good all the time. Being carved out, being cut away, being stripped down from the things that once made you who you were, that doesn't always feel good. And so for me, it was uh, sometimes difficult to let go of habits and behaviors and thoughts and those things. But that's where the grace of God comes in. Again, his power works best in our weakness. So the things that we struggle to let go of, the things that are hard for us to break away, the habits that have been in our lives, the mindsets for you talking 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever years, it's sometimes hard to let go of. But God hitting his grace are the things that are breaking us and making us whole at the same doggone time. And that's the beauty of it. And so when we talk about learning and unlearning, becoming and unbecoming, we understand better that being gracefully broken is actually being gracefully and graciously made whole because we are removing, we're allowing God to remove the things that are not like him and then bring in the things that are like him, thus filling our voids, making us whole, making us into the image of who he created us to be. One more thing I'll say about this too is recognizing that wholeness is never a destination. Because for me, I can say that for years, carrying this perfectionist mindset, I thought that I would someday arrive. Like, one day I'm going to sin no more. <laughs> one day I'm going to have it all together. One day I'm going to just, you know, just, man, I ain't going to fail these tests no more. You know, one day I'm going to be the woman that God created me to be. What I had to realize is like, I'm constantly becoming her like every day. And I'm going to continue to become her for the rest of my life. And 
I will be perfected in heaven and that is good enough. So this idea that, you know, I could do all this work and do all this digging and one day be perfect is just not realistic because we're imperfect. And again, y'all know how I am. I talked about this in Gracefully Love. Grace does not give us room to like, it doesn't give us the freedom to just go out here and do whatever we want to do. Like while we have free choice and we can do whatever we want to do, we got to be wise about what the word of God says and how we really should be governing our lives. When you think about just this idea of God being perfected through our imperfections It gives us room to understand that while we're a work in progress, he's still pleased with us because he's perfect. He doesn't need progress for himself, but he graced us enough to give us room for progress through our lives. So um, moving into the next point about being gracefully broken is the death to religion And um, this has been a very integral part of my life in the last month, specifically, um, because God's been dealing with me about how I grew up and how I was first introduced to God and how that introduction has governed my life for a very long time in that My first introductions with God were that he was very big. He was all-seeing, all-knowing, all-strong, all-powerful. He had the whole world in his hands. You know, this very like, oh my gosh, God is so big um, depiction of God. But it was also coupled with this fear of God. So it was like, he's so big and don't upset him because you'll be punished. Like, if you make him mad, you probably gonna go to hell. <laughs> and it was like, okay, so let me be perfect because if I'm not, then God is not pleased with me. And if he's not pleased with me, then I'm going to be punished. Do you see what I'm getting at here? So for me, and this is a very personal thing for me, This is one of the roots of the perfectionism that I have modeled my life after in in such a way. Like, you know, there have been many times I haven't been perfect, but when I've thought about or, or attempted in the past to follow Christ, it was coupled with this idea of obeying the commandments and being faithful and being righteous and being holy. And if I fell short of any of those things... I immediately felt this shame, this guilt, this condemnation, this disconnect, this this distance. And because of that, when I was out in the world, I'll say dibbling, dabbling, didn't know what was happening, having sex, drinking, whatever I thought I wanted to do, like having premarital sex, let me be clear, drinking, doing whatever I want to do. And I know I'm not saying that drinking is a sin. Let me be clear on that. What I'm saying, though, is for me, the way that I was partaking in those things was very in a very sinful way. So when I was doing those things, you know, and I would feel conviction from the Holy Spirit, I didn't understand that the conviction was a push and a pull to get me out of that situ- those situations. Instead, it shut me down and made me feel like 
I couldn't get back to God. It was almost like getting back close to God was impossible. Like, how will I ever get back in your good graces, God? I don't know how to do that because, you know, I've been sinning for so long. And so when I think about how growing up with that way or being taught that way influenced me through my lifestyle, God has had to break that off of me in a way that is has been very liberating. And I even had a mentor. I've I've talked about my mentor on here before. Several episodes ago, I even was like, I'm over mentor. Don't ask me to be no mentor. <laughs> and God had to deal with me on that too, just because of the fact that I can't ever say never in my life as far as what God will use me or how he'll have me do. So I need to watch what I say. Um, but I just want to be clear that I'm very mindful of the things that I share with people as far as like mentoring, advising or whatever. Um, I truly try my best to be Holy Spirit led with that. But I'm also mindful about what I let people say to me. And I've, I've been that way for a while. Um, and I had a mentor that was helpful to me. And I'm appreciative of her because there were some some things that she I'll say initially helped me think through as far as like how to dig through trauma and she had a background in like counseling and so she helped me understand like how to get to the roots of some things so when I talk about being broken like yeah I understood that there were things that were not right about my lifestyle growing up or things that you know I needed to change and called on God to change and so when she came into my life she was able to help me learn how to dig. That was one of her favorite phrases. Like, all right, get your shovel. Got to go digging. Got to go digging. And I'm thankful for that. And what I will say is, you know, I'm appreciative of her. And, you know, when I went on my sabbatical, she was helpful to me. And I'm thankful for that. Um, and listen, people have said like, oh, Veronique was in a cult. I, Veronique Devian Bailey, was never in a cult, okay? Um, and my mentor was not a cult leader. Um, and that stemmed from people's fear about where I was at on my sabbatical. But also, people, like, literally will come up with whatever they think they need to come up with to solve a mystery. So it's like, we don't know where she at. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. We ain't got no insight. Let's try to put together what we think could be going on. And it was so wrong. But on so many occasions, God hadn't allowed me to speak about it publicly just because there were things that he needed to reveal um, to myself about some situations. But I'm sure to other people who are involved. And I will say, though, that that experience with mentorship for me, if if nothing more, it allowed me to be very confident in my pursuit of God for myself as I was before the relationship was formed, during, and even after. And so what it has done is allowed me the space to say, you know what, it's okay to have, you know, people who have spiritual insight in your life, etc. Um, but there's nothing greater than having a relationship with God for yourself. And I truly believe that my desire to have my relationship with God for myself is what continued to keep me grounded before, during, and after that relationship. And so I'm bringing this all up because 
the mentor that I had, God had to reveal to me that some of the things that she believed, practiced, or taught, because it was a Bible study. That's how I met. I was introduced to her through a former line sister, but then I was in this Bible study group. And so we would meet like weekly and have Bible study. So it was great. Um, but there were some of the things that she taught or some of the things that she believed that were also very religious in that the way that the way in which we are um, connected to God or the way in which we're in relationship with God was very hierarchical. I can never say that word right. Don't judge me. Judge your mama. <laughs> but um, that was challenging to me because once I started to like break out of that mindset um, in general, God was showing me like that's one of the things that I was attracted to by her leadership style was that it was reflective of how I was taught and how what I believed at the time, you know, to be so. And I'm not I'm not saying that um, religious practices are you know, 100% wrong or, and when I say religious practices, I mean the way in which we approach God, the way in which we, you know, seek God. There are some religions that require you to wear certain things or do certain things. I ain't never been a part of nothing like that, but I did grow up Baptist. We couldn't wear certain stuff to church. If you're sitting on the front row, you need to have a lap scarf on. Don't you know gum? Like those things are religious practices. So that's what I'm saying when I'm talking about religion and wearing certain things or whatever. I was never asked by my mentor to wear anything <laughs> like let's be clear on that again I was not no cult um however I'm talking about like when I'm speaking about this I'm talking specifically about like leadership style talking about the connection that we have with God and how we are to you know go to him for things and so while I believe that she was able to push me towards God there was still this fear instilled in that, you know, because God has such plans for my life that if I um, that mean that I need to follow him in a very specific and orderly kind of way. And so I was on my own um, kind of wavelength with my relationship with God and my pursuit of him. But of course, that was birthed through the way I grew up religiously in this is how I do things or this is how I say things. And so, for example, a lot of my old, old podcasts, you hear me talk about waking up early in the morning and praying and devoting a certain time, amount of time to God. Again, these are religious things. And so my mentor was also, you know, the type of person like you need to devote this. You need to. And so when I say that God has helped me put death to religion, what he's helped me with is put down this idea that stemmed from perfectionism in my relationship with him that influenced, that was influenced by religion. So, you know, it, it became more obligatory. Like I need to be up early in the morning praying. I need to be fasting two or three times a week. I need to be studying this time. I need to be making time for this. It became like an obligation, like do or die. Like just me and God in personally, like if I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, then God is not as pleased with me. And again, nobody ever said this to me, right? 
the mentor, the people in church. Nobody said these things to me. But when you grow up religiously and when you're taught to see God in a certain way and to revere him and fear him in a certain way, it sometimes causes you to feel like if you don't live up to these certain standards, then you somehow might miss him. And so what God has had to help me with is understand that there is not a way that I can miss him. Okay, but also that he doesn't want me to be forced to study his word, to pray to him, to be in communion with him because of obligation or because I because of duty. So because of the things he's spoken, oh, Veronique, you're going to be a profound biblical teacher. So I got to have my Bible open at three o'clock in the morning every day reading, you know, (laughs) from dawn to dusk studying because I need to know the word better than everybody else like what what's the heart behind that first of all but all is to say God has truly helped me and I look back and I listen back to some of those episodes and I tell you one of the one day I was like God I just want to delete it all (laughs) and he told me no because they're very relevant um still um the heart behind them was always so pure One thing I will say, though, is that what I'm appreciative of about the religious upbringing I had um, and then starting a podcast and having episodes like that, even prior to ever meeting my mentor, um, my former mentor, was that it was those religious practices that helped me have the discipline that I needed to foster a stronger relationship with God. And so while I am very um I'm an advocate I'm a very big advocate of personal relationship over public relationship like I don't care what you're doing publicly if you read Matthew 6 it tell you firsthand what God don't care about no no public praying no public stuff to be seen by other people it's all about the close off private intimacy with him um so I'm very big on on the private part of that but I do feel like being disciplined is what helped me help make me a better disciple especially early on so while now you know I'm a little tenured in my relationship with God my personal relationship with God in that I don't force myself to wake up in the morning to pray or do those kind of things out of obligation anymore I do them out of desire because I want to like that's my heart like Anytime I open my Bible to study, I want to desire that, not feel like it's a requirement or that um, it's attached to a duty that God has given me. Like, I want to enjoy it. And so that's the place that I've been working hard to get back to. But I'm thankful for the disciplines that I've shared in the earlier, especially podcast episodes, because I believe that as new believers, especially, we need discipline. We need some sort of religious governance, not that you need to be attached to a church or following a bunch of laws. But when I say religious, I mean like consistent practices of, you know, renewing your mind and waking up and, you know, fighting against your flesh that wants to stay in this worldly ways to be disciplined and to learn the word of God for yourself and to learn the voice of God for yourself. And so, Again, all that to say, God has helped me put a death and an end to the religious way that I thought about myself and that I thought about life. 
And it's been very freeing because I love our how our relationship is continuing to grow through that. And and I'm also grateful for the discipline um, that helped me to form a, a strong foundation with God. Lay the foundation was one of the first episodes. So, yeah. Um, and moving on to the third and final point um, of today's episode, gracefully broken, you know, we're breaking off religion, we're breaking off, you know, anything that's too rigid and that doesn't allow you to just flow with God and, and to just be led by the Holy Spirit. But um, favor, favor is the last thing that God has been gracefully breaking off of me, but I also want to talk to y'all about so I look at favorite and fabulous two and a half so years old God spoke to me about it three and a half maybe years ago um and there's so much that has changed in my life as I already kind of talked about with the whole religion versus relationship thing um but recently when I was talking to God about the resentment season that I was feeling he was revealing to me things about this word. Um, and so I've probably shared before, because y'all know I'm just open book, how growing up, I wasn't very many people's first choice. So we'd be on the playground and they'd be picking for the kickball team and um, the captains will have to pick one at a time and the class will kind of stand up there until they're picked. And I would always be one of the last two or three people left. And so in hindsight, like I said, we got to dig, right? In hindsight, I know that's because I sucked, okay? <laughs> I loved kickball. I, I can dance my tail off. But y'all, I am discoordinated when it comes to sports. Like, I'm just not the girl, okay? I like, I like to do it, but my coordination just be off. So I can imagine that I was probably last picked because I was uncoordinated. But that was internalized for me. Like, I internalized that for years that I wasn't chosen then to get to high school and repeat this cycle of, like, not being chosen by anybody to be my boyfriend or to really take me to prom. I end up going to prom with a friend. Like, just, it, and then I get to college and I'm like, choose me, pick me, anybody. So the first guy that really, really, really shows interest in me, we in a relationship that was toxic and... You know, and they're on their fourth, the cycle just continued and continued and continued. And so it's like when I gave that over to God and I said, I don't I no longer want to be searching for somebody to choose me. It was like I was giving it over to him, but I was also picking up this idea that he was choosing me. And so it was completely separated and, and absent of the thought of anybody else in the world, to be completely honest with you. But there was this desire to be chosen by God, this desire to be favored by God. Again, not in a way that would make other people unfavored by God, but just in a way where I could be God's girl. And if he needed me, he can call on me no matter where I are, no matter how far. <laughs> but um, yeah, so God was showing me that I internalized that so much that my obedience and my diligence and my pursuit of him shifted from this desire to 
not only this duty and obligation because of the purpose that he spoke to me about my life, some of which he spoke to me about my life, but also because like there were things attached to me. So it's like when you add purpose and promise to God in a way that's like, okay, well, this is no longer what I truly desire. This is kind of what I have to be doing right now because you've got a purpose attached to me for this. Okay, well, if I do this, 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 and this, then I know that your favor is going to fall upon me. So I'm going to receive these promises that you've spoken to me, right? And so when some of the promises hadn't come forth yet, it led to disappointment, which then led to resentment, which is how I ended up in a resentment season because it was like I attached the idea that I could please God in a favorable way and then he would release the promises that he spoke over my life to me. And let me be clear, when God speaks a word, listen, he said what he said. So if God made a promise to you, the promise is going to go forth. And it doesn't mean that he needs your help with it. I didn't understand that. So for me, I'm thinking, well, God spoke these promises to me. So if I'm diligent, if I'm on time, if I'm obedient, like he's going to do it. Like he's going to bring the promises forth, right? Because I'm doing what he asked. So he going to rain down. But the thing was, he spoke those promises to me. And there was nothing that I could have done to mess them up or make them go forward. <laughs> like, I didn't understand that. And so I was expecting the promises as a, like, the fruit of favor, if you will. Like, oh, so I'm going to get these promises because I've done the things that God has asked me to do when his word on the promises came before I'd done anything. So it was almost like... If somebody tells you, you know, I love you, so I'm going to give you $100. And then you're like, you're going to give me $100? Oh, well, I got to do something back for you. Let me clean your car. Let me. <laughs> oh, child, it just made me think about Ezel for Friday. I don't know why I'm always quoting Friday when he asked Smokey to wash his car. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. Back to the matter at hand. But anyway, it's like somebody saying it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like somebody tell you they're gonna give you, you know, let me let me buy you some groceries this month, Veronique. And I'm like, buy me some groceries? Well, I'm gonna cook for you since you're gonna buy me the groceries. Like that's that's the least I could do. Like literally, that was me. Again, let me let me be clear. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit bringing it up. That was a learned behavior. Like, that's the things that I've witnessed. I've witnessed and I've experienced. Not having been able to receive things, feeling like if somebody's doing something for me, I got to do something back. Like, or if somebody's overly nice to me, I need to be nice back. Like, I'm going to return the favor. Now, granted, we want to return favor. Like, we want to be good to people. But the return doesn't always mean that you got to return to the person who gave it to you. Side, ooh, come on, preach somebody. Like, that's a whole side note, whole sermon in itself. God may have somebody bless you with something so you could bless somebody totally separate of the situation. It doesn't mean you got to turn around to the blesser and give them a blessing back. And so that's how my relationship with God was. It was like, 
you give me all these promises. So I need to live up to the expectation that you have for me. I need to become all that you want me to become so that I can be worthy even of these promises. And God is like, bro, I didn't ask you to do like I didn't ask you <laughs> for it for all that. Like I didn't I didn't ask you, you know, and, and I'm thankful because there were a lot of things that God did ask me to do. And even in the the obedience, the obedience wasn't supposed to be a um contingency so much for the promises that God had given to me. The obedience was and, and specifically speaking about my sabbatical, my journey, man, that was for healing. Like when I talk about this brokenness and to wholeness, this learning, this unlearning, God sent me to my mama, my daddy, my grannies, my <laughs> like so many people in my family to stay for a week at a time, a month at a time, whatever, and have conversations and get some healing going and spread some love and talk about the word of God and you know, there were so many tasks associated, I mean, even perfect strangers, side note, but like that sabbatical for me was a perfect example of becoming and unbecoming, being broken and being coming whole at the same time. But when I think about the favor, it's like to sometimes get through hard things in my life, I attached the things that God had already promised me so that I could get through it. So it was like, ooh, well, one day it's all going to make sense. That was kind of what I was struggling with yesterday because I was like, I'm having a bad day. I don't want to think about one day. I want to think about today. You're worried to me not to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow got enough trouble of its own. I ain't worried about tomorrow. What's going to happen eventually? I'm worried about today. What's going on now? It's very disappointing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, all that to say, like, God has allowed me to see how... I thought that by doing something back for him, and I'm not talking about my sabbatical. I'm just talking about like life, like things that like I'm talking about, like surrendering to him in 2019 and like really recommitting myself. It's like by doing those things back, I could please him in a way that would bring his favor to my life in a more abundant way. And what he had to show me was, there was nothing I could do to gain favor from him. It was already given when he sent his son to die for me. And that's for each and every one of us. There is nothing you can do to gain more favor from God. It was already given when he sent his son to die for you. Like, God's word talks about favor and it talks about the favor that's given to the righteous. Yeah, so when he sent his son to die for you and then you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are immediately made righteous. Now, the choices you make can influence the level in which you're able to experience the favor of God, the fullness of God, the 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 man, the amazingness of God. However, there is nothing more that you could do 
to be more loved or more favored or more fabulous than you already are. It's impossible. It's done already. It's like you trying to put the Thanksgiving turkey back in the oven when it's already cooked. You're going to burn it. Like, you can't do nothing more. And for me, because I wasn't used to receiving that way, it took me years to understand what Jesus' sacrifice meant for me. Because while I was taught that all these years growing up, it seemed like I owed him something back, right? You give your life to me, so I give my all to you. While I love songs like that, thank you, Travis Green. We have to understand giving our all, excuse me, comes from the desire that we have. Because it's like, man, God, you love me so much. Like, I want to love you too. Like, man, I want to know your word. I want a relationship with you. I want you to guide my life, not out of obligation or you got to, you know, I got to love you back because if I don't, then you're going to be so angry with me. Like, that's not true. And so bringing all that back around, God has pressed upon my heart about the word favor. And it's so crazy because he named this podcast. I didn't name it. Um, But he showed me that that season is ended where I needed to understand God's love, God's favor, God's grace, God's provision, God's purpose for me in that season, the season of favorite and fabulous. I needed to know what it felt like to finally be chosen by someone. I needed to know what it felt like to experience love everlasting. I needed to know what it felt like. I needed to know what it meant to be favored by God. And, and I'm sure that's revelatory and relevant to so many of, of you listening. Sometimes we need to be reminded of or even taught of what we don't know, that God already favors us, that God already, he favored us at creation. He favored us in our mother's womb. He favored us every, he favors us every day that we wake up and we, we get to live and breathe and walk and talk, whatever, like Favor is already existing in our being because God created us. It's not something that we need to seek out. It's not something that we can do one more good thing to receive. And so because of that, God has spoken to me about ending favorite and fabulous. And so this episode is a farewell address because Favored and fabulous is no longer. We are favored by God. He did make us fabulous. He does make us fabulous every day. But more than that, we are faithful to God. And God is faithful to us. And that is where we will pick up with this podcast, with this platform. Favored and fabulous is ending. Faithful and fabulous is beginning. And I'm excited to share even more about my life, share even more about the lessons I've learned, some lessons that I'm still learning, um, walking through some hardships, walking through good times, like sharing about singleness, sharing about purpose, like sharing about business, whatever, whatever it may be, but sharing about it all with faith 
and through faith. Um, and, and that's what I'm excited to do next. So I look forward to Faithful and Fabulous being the new podcast. Y'all thought we was ending. We ain't going away. Not yet. <laughs> um, but I just want to say thank you because y'all know this last year, this podcast has been very sporadic in how episodes are um, recorded and you know, posted and stuff. And I'm thankful to God for his vision about Favorite and Fabulous. And I'm even more thankful to his new vision, to him for his new vision about Faithful and Fabulous and the new season that we're entering. And then it just feels like a new light and a new life. And, you know, I'm thankful even for my hard days because even as I record this, I'm still feeling a little bit of heaviness from yesterday that I need to sit and really pray through and work through. But even in that, that I can be transparent and tell y'all, look, it's not always cupcakes and roses out here. Or look, it's not always, you know, what it seems or what you expect, but God is still good. God is still faithful. Yeah, you have hard days. You might cry and curse and scream. (laughs) Some or all of which I did yesterday, like, but God still loves you and that's okay. And I'm excited it feels like a rebirth um, and the scripture that God brought to my mind was just, you know, behold, all things are made new. And, and another one is um, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It springs forth um, and it's in Isaiah and I'll list the scriptures in the um, podcast description so y'all can read at your leisure. But I'm thankful for the dying away of the old thing. And the beholding of the new thing, this new faithful, this new fabulous, this new life that God has given us this opportunity to just move forward in in such a fabulous way. And so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak, the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to be graced in how we're loved and how we're paced and how we're broken and how we're made whole. I thank you, Father God, for the tenure of Favorite and Fabulous, the ending of Favorite and Fabulous, and the beginning of Faithful and Fabulous. And that together we have done and will continue to do such marvelous things. And God, I pray for the listeners of this podcast, God, Those who will hear this episode fresh today, those who will hear it five, six years from now, the listeners that have been rocking with us and those who will come as a result of your grace and your um, anointing even here. God, I thank you. I pray that the words that I speak are pleasing to you, Father God, but I also pray for the listeners that The seeds that are being sown are sown on good soil, Father God. That the things that they've heard, the things that they'll continue to hear from this platform are pleasing to you, Father God. But then also impart something great upon their lives that they may move forward more confidently, Father God. That they will be more moved to surrender to you like never before, God. And I just thank you so much because you just continue to blow my mind. And I pray right now for repentance 
for myself, for the listeners, if there be anything, God, that we haven't repented for, anything that's in our heart, anything that we've endured, anything that we've done that's not pleasing to you, Father God. I pray right now that we receive your truest forgiveness, God, your truest grace, Lord. And I just thank you right now for a fresh start. I thank you right now for your love. I thank you right now for your faithfulness and your fabulousness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Well, thank y'all so much for listening. I know this is a long episode today, but we had a lot to say, okay? So farewell, favorite and fabulous. And hello, faithful and fabulous. So remember, you are faithful to God. You are made faithful by God. And he made you fabulous. Peace out. Oh,